Hey Siri, remind me to pick up milk on the way home. Hey Siri, remind me about ballet practice at 5 p.m. Hey Siri, remind me to ask mom if I can borrow her car for Friday. Hey Siri, remind me to call the body shop. Hey Siri, remind me to take out the trash tonight. Siri. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. 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 Ephesians, a reminder to a busy church, uh, wrapping it up today. If you're online joining us today, thank you for joining us. We're excited that you're here. Uh, most of you are probably on vacation this week, which we're a little bit jealous of you. How many of y'all were just like scrolling through Facebook and it's just like everybody's, just everybody's gone, like in you know, mountains and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> why didn't anybody invite me? But... But uh, come on, we're glad that all of you are here today. And uh, look, again, we're wrapping up the book of Ephesians, and it's, we're going to be in chapter 6, in the, the very last few verses of chapter 6. And uh, bef- before we jump into that, i got a few things I want to talk to you about and kind of let you know about that's coming up. Um, number one is this. You should have received this flyer whenever you came in today. If not, grab it on the way out. Uh, we are going to be doing a toy drive here over the next few weeks, and uh, all the information's on this flyer for you to pick up. But what we want to do is, is we're going to collect some toys, and we're going to bless some kids over the holiday season. Does that sound good? Yeah. That sounds exciting? Come on. Uh, it's going to be a good time. I tell you, you know, in the month of December, really as a whole, as a church, we're going to be uh, pushing and making a, making a concerted effort as a church to give, to be a blessing to other people. Um, you guys know this, and, and maybe for some of you in this room, this is a reality for you. Christmas and the holiday seasons are tough. Maybe it brings up a lot of memories. It brings up maybe who's there and who's not there. And uh, man, we want to be a blessing to a lot of people over this month and just let them know that Jesus loves them. Um, and so this is one way that we're going to do that. Also, you, um, on, the, on the pub tables all around the room, we have some acts of kindness cards that we want you to take a stack of this week. And then over the next month, we're, each week, we're going to have a focus for you to go out into the community and, uh, and help some people, love on some people. And uh, so the card says a reminder that Jesus brings hope, joy, peace, and love, uh, which is really uh, correlating with what we're going to be preaching on in the month of December, where we talk about the coming of Jesus. How many of you guys know that for Christians, that's really what we're celebrating overall? I mean, that's that's the core meaning for us. And uh, and then also we get to open presents and eat a lot of food with a lot of family and friends too. So it's cool. But um, we want you guys to take these cards. And this week, I'd love to challenge you to go out and, and look, pay for somebody's meal. You know, get the, get, the, get the line going at Starbucks, you know, pay it forward, get some people, uh, you know, buy some people some stuff, maybe buy a gift card for somebody to their favorite restaurant and give them this card along with it and bless them. And, uh, and just let me know whenever you're going to be in that Starbucks line so I can go ahead and just somehow, some way show up right at the right time and just get in that line. You know what I'm talking about? No, don't do that unless you'd like to. But other than that, uh, seriously, we want you guys to, to really... Take some steps out there and do that. And again, each week we're going to have a little bit something different to focus on. But um, come on, I believe that through the month of December that we can actually reach a lot of people for Jesus. And sometimes it's as simple as buying them a coffee, y'all. It really is. You never know what somebody's walking through in their life. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity to do that. And uh, so with that, you guys ready? You guys ready? Come on. I'm excited about today. Um, it's been a good, I tell you, I know this. I know that from this point forward, every time that I read through the book of Ephesians, read a verse out of the book of Ephesians, I'm going to have a little bit different take on it than I used to. 
There's something about slowing down and walking through a book. How many of you guys, it's been the same for you, for you with Romans, the book of Romans? Come on. Man, I tell you, it's just like every time I look at it, I'm like, man, I feel like I have much better uh, understanding of what Paul was trying to communicate. And so, so I hope it's the same thing for you with Ephesians. And uh, just so maybe for some of you, again, it's your first time here or it's been a long time since you've been here, just to kind of give you a little context. Uh, this book is written by the Apostle Paul, and um, he is actually in prison when he's writing this book in Rome. And I mean, he's probably chained to the wall or chained to a Roman soldier, and he redeems the time and he writes a letter, okay, which none of us would do that. We'd be crying in the corner probably, at least I would. He writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, and this was a, a giant city, multicultural, a lot of, it's really like America, a lot of the cities in America, a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and religious backgrounds. And so he's writing this letter into the thick of what's going on. Jesus has came, died, right, and, and, and he was raised again. There's a lot of controversy around that. And uh, you got Jews and Gentiles, and they have, it's just, there's so many things going on. And Paul is writing this letter, and it's amazing how he threads the needle. He just threads the needle, and he, as soon as maybe he was on the Jews' side and they were like, yeah, 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 he would just swap over and get on the Gentile side and be like, now, okay, guys. And he was just bringing everybody together. And this is the way that he did it. The first few chapters of the book, the first half of the book, he talks about Jesus. He talks about the gospel. He talks about what Jesus did through his death, his burial, his resurrection. And uh, he just shares the good news with them. Like he did most letters that he wrote, he starts off with Jesus. And so he writes about Jesus. And then from there, he, he, he transitions into how that good news affects our life, how it affects our relationships, how we should conduct our lives based upon this truth. And we've really stress the importance of that sequence, okay? The sequence of being justified, made right before God in Christ. And then from that, it transitions the way that we see people. It, it changes the way that we operate in our life, or at least it should if we are operating in Christ, okay? And um, so, so you've got, it deals with our condition of sin, deals with our conduct. And then the last chapter, he leans into this spiritual battle that we're in that we are in a war. So welcome to church, in case you didn't know it or not, there's a war raging all around you right now, okay? All right, it might be happening on somebody's phone right now. It's just a battle taking place, right? But you're in a battle. And in that, Paul starts off and says, hey, the battle that we're in is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual forces in, in you know, heavenly places. And, and this, it's a battle that we can't necessarily see, Sometimes we sort of sense, okay, but we're in a battle. And in that, he begins to talk about this armor that we put on. And this armor is not literally like a helmet that you can reach out and grab and put on your head. But, but I mean, think about it. If he's chained to a Roman soldier, he's probably looking at the Roman soldier and he's kind of depicting what the armor might look like for us. And he breaks it down and, and it's, it's a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, okay? A, a sword of the spirit, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and our, our feet protected with the, the readiness for the gospel of peace that we go in power and in the authority of Jesus, not our own. He's painting this picture picture. And we've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks, that we put on the armor of God. The, the, the really cool thing is that all of that is found in Christ, okay? It's Jesus. That's what all of that represents, the salvation, the truth, the sword of the spirit. Everything is, uh, is, is available for us because of Jesus, all right? So we're putting on the armor of God. Now, as we kind of transition into today, 
He, uh, he starts out in verse 18. I want you to know this. This is a run-on sentence from the past verse. Okay, so all those, some translations and some people, they kind of stop at 17. What we're starting off with is what we ended up with last week. Okay, so it's a run-on sentence talking about the sword of the spirit. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul basically says we stand firm against the schemes of the enemy through prayer and that we put on the armor of God prayerfully and ultimately we pray for boldness to proclaim the gospel. One thing I love about Paul's letters is that he always anchors us to Jesus and he always anchors what we receive from Jesus for a purpose, okay? So, so we, are, we are made new, we are made righteous, and then uh, we are redeemed, we are sanctified for the glory of God and to continue to advance the gospel, the kingdom of God into the world. So at, at no point are we ever bored as believers. At no point do we ever hit the pause button and we're like, I've kind of arrived. You know, you don't. It's just, Paul's like, look, we're, we're saved from death for life. Okay, we're called out of darkness into light for a purpose and a reason. This is an active faith that we have, an active uh, life that we live. And so he prays for boldness to communicate the gospel. And, and if you picture where Paul's at, he's, he's arrested. He's about to go stand before some very powerful people. And he's like, man, what... What a great opportunity to communicate Jesus. I love his attitude. It's not, oh, I don't know. I might be getting out in a couple of days or I might this. He's like, while I'm here, I'm going to write some letters and I'm going to get ready to go up and preach Jesus to, the, to Caesar. You know, I'm, I'm going to do this. And um, so his perspective is really good. But the topic that we really want to, I guess, pull out for today is this topic of prayer. This topic of prayer. Whenever it comes to a battle, one of the, um, the, the, the parts of a battle is the army communicating well. And prayer is sort of like the comms of our battle, all right? How many of you know that a, an army, they might have um, less powerful weapons, they might have less people, but if they have good strategies and good comms, right, if there's good communication, then they can actually get a lot done, Okay. You look throughout history, sometimes it was a smaller army, but guess what? They had a better plan of action. They had a better strategy. They were, they were in the right place at the right time. They had proper communication and they could actually get something done. And so communication is very important in this battle. And, and Paul is talking about it for us in regards to prayer. So prayer. In this place today, I know a lot of us are like, well, I understand prayer. I, you know, I, I understand it. I get it. I pray every day. I pray for my food. I pray before I go to bed. Like, I mean, I pray for my kids, so I, I pray. But I think sometimes we, like usual, things just get religious and routine and we forget the significance of something or we forget what it really is. There's a joke I heard about this, this boy. He's a younger kid and, and uh, he really, really, really wanted a bike, like really bad. He was, I mean, just, I, I want this bike so bad. And so he was like, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray to God that he would give me a bike. And so he 
he, uh, he's like, I, I need to kind of learn how to pray and, and how to do this. And so, so he gets on YouTube and he goes and he finds a guy that, that's preaching on prayer and how to ask God for things. And so he watches it and he, he's kind of, okay, okay, I'm gonna go do this. So he goes and he gets in this one spot in his house and his mom's kind of seeing him do this, you know, and he, he gets there and he kneels down and, and he prays a prayer and he says, God, I humbly come before you and I ask for a bike. If it's in accordance with your will, and your plan for me, your purpose for my life, that I would receive a bike, I pray that it would be so. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. It's a very good, solemn, biblical prayer, right? Goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, runs in the garage, no bike. He says, okay, all right, I'm gonna try a different strategy. I need to find maybe a different way to pray. Didn't know how to do it right. So then he, he gets back on YouTube, he finds this other guy that prays, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna pray like this guy. So the same thing, his mom's watching him. He goes to this area in the house. He kneels down and he says, he says, in the name and the authority of Jesus, I just proclaim that I have a bike, that it is mine. God, you said, if I ask anything in your name, I shall receive it. And in Jesus' name, I declare that I have a bike. In Jesus' name, amen. And he walks off and whew, he's all fired up. He's like, that one worked, okay. <laughs> he goes to bed, he wakes up the next morning, he runs to the garage, he opens it up, no bike. At this point, he's getting a little frustrated. He sits there and he contemplates. He's like, all right, I got it. I know what I'm going to do. So he walks over to the family mantel by the chimney over there, and up on, up on it is a statue of Mary. And he grabs that statue of Mary, and he goes over, and his mom's watching the whole time, remember? He goes over. She's like, what is he doing? Kneels down. He takes that statue, puts it up under his arm, and he says, Jesus, I have your mother. Do you ever want to see her again? I better have my bike tomorrow morning when I wake up, right? <laughs> what in the world is prayer? You know what I'm saying? Prayer, we, we, we all have our different ideas. We all have our different approaches to what it is and, and how to unlock the mystery of getting what we want, right? Or whatever it is. The thing about prayer is that it's not exclusively this Christian word. It's not something that just Christians do. Prayer and meditation is really this, this thought process of connecting with or communicating with the spiritual realm, the unseen world. And in a lot of cases, it has to do with a God or some sort of object of worship and, and getting out of that God or that source an answer or some sort of meaning. And uh, that's really, for a lot of people, that's what prayer is. It's, it's vague and it's ambiguous, but who are we actually praying to? Because prayer is sort of this neutral thing, this word. It's used by a lot of different false religions. So really, we have to go to the next place to say, well, who are we praying to when we pray? Who is it that we're praying to? And the difference between Christian prayer and other false religious prayers would be based, in my opinion, upon two very important questions. Number one would be, who is the source of power in which we are praying to? And then who is going to get the glory or the credit for whatever happens from that prayer? Who's the source of it? Who am I praying to? And then who's going to get the credit? Who's going to get the glory, the honor, the praise? And those aren't exclusively Christian words either. Who's going to get the credit for it? And in, in our day and age, uh, in case you don't know, in case you're unaware of this, spiritualism and uh, really new age thinking, humanistic thinking is... Um, 
it's kind of on a, on, a, on a comeback. It's making a comeback in our nation. It really is. And there's this revival of meditation, which again, can, can kind of go either way, good or bad. Uh, there's this revival of this energy and this awareness of this energy that we're all in. It's nothing new, by the way, you guys know this, but there's this revival in the awareness of it and the belief in it. And in the church, there's a lot of things that is going on with all of this movement that seems to sort of jive with what we do. Like even some of the spiritualists, they take scripture and they actually use it in their, their, you know, maybe their speeches or their writings. And all of a sudden it starts kind of getting all washed together. And then you can't tell, like if, if somebody's talking about the God that we believe in or just a different version of that God and they start saying a lot of words like divine, which in and of itself is a good word, but then they're saying these words and it's like, when you say divine, I, like I'm hearing you, but I'm feeling something different. And then there's this pray to that divine energy that's around us and, and, and it's just, it, everything's washed together. And again, this is nothing new. This has happened many times in the world, but it's sort of like, it's, it's, it's on the front, you know, the front burner. And a lot of things in it, it looks like Instagram. It's all over Instagram. A lot of people quote things. I think the funniest thing is one time I was at a, uh, I was at a church and this guy, he was closing out the service. He was the worship leader and he, da, 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 da. <laughs> he's like, thank you guys for being here. Remember, go and be the change that you want to see. He's like, I think he just quoted Gandhi. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yeah, he just did. All right. And everybody's like, amen. <laughs> I'm like... It's just me. Am I the only one? What are we doing? You know, like the Bible isn't good enough to quote anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or like the words of Jesus. We need a little something extra on top to really like bring it home. And it's, right? What could that be? It's spiritualism. It's things that begin to weave their way into what's going on. And then whenever we reach out, we grab for the sword of the spirit. It's not the sword of the spirit, the word of God. It's actually some broken dagger that the enemy has handed us and we start trying to use it and it lacks power, it lacks authority and then we're open, yeah. right? Yes. This is a real thing. This is a real deal. It's a real fight. So for Christians, prayer is simply communication with the God of the Bible. That's how I'll put it. Just, just kind of sum it up very simply. And when I say the God of the Bible, I mean the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Yahweh, Jehovah, El Shaddai, Elohim. I mean, I mean the God of scripture that we read about and we talk about, not different variations of him, not different uh, ideas that people have and they try to wrap around these weird different words, right? But I'm talking about the God that we read about in the Bible. And so that's who we pray to. Now, how do we pray to God? Because in and of ourselves, we are wicked. We are sinful. We are separated from him. Y'all know the story of Adam and Eve. From that point on, we're separate from God. So, so how can we as mere people, how can we come before an almighty God, a good God, a perfect God? Well, we do that through Jesus. We do that through Christ and we do it by the spirit. Because if it wasn't for the spirit of God, we would have no, honestly, we wouldn't be aware of the fact that we even are in need of a savior. 
We wouldn't have a revelation of that. It wouldn't be real in our life. It would sound like a fairy tale, okay? But it's been revealed to us. We just studied this in Ephesians, the revelation knowledge of God. And, and it's come alive in our life, this reality of the good news. But then we pray, we pray through the Son to the Father. The Bible talks about this, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Now, here's the deal. You have to realize as a believer that your prayers literally go before God, like incense before him. Every time that I pray and I worship, I have that, I have that picture. It's in Revelation where he talks about that. It's, it's the throne room of God that our prayers are literally go before him. It's a beautiful picture. And it's something that we need to be reminded of whenever we're talking about prayer and what it is and who am I praying to I think a lot of us, we're all on the same page with that. Like, I think everything that I just said, pretty much all of us, we're, we're like, okay, I can see that. But I think things get a little bit complicated whenever we ask this, next, ask this next question. And it's the question, what is the purpose of prayer? Like, what does prayer actually do? Does it, does it change anything? Does prayer work? Does it, does it actually work? How does it work? And what does it actually change? And so I want to I wanna spend a lot of time here. I want to explain some things about prayer. And I'm not going to give you a lot of different ways to pray. But what I really wanted to bring today was I, I wanted to, for some of you, change your mindset when it comes to prayer. The, the motivation whenever you pray. The end goal of what you're praying for. Because I think that's actually where a lot of us get off. We, we get off base we begin to pray out of the wrong motivation, the wrong mindset. And so I might not teach you how to pray today. I might not go through all these steps, but I want to teach you how to think about how you pray or maybe offer some different thoughts for you. Three questions about prayer. The first thing would be this question that I have is, is whenever we pray, we're praying for something to take place. Does prayer change the heart of God? And you don't have to answer this. This is for you to think about. But when I am praying, what is really going on in my mind whenever I am thinking about speaking to, to God? Do I, do I think that I'm trying to change God's mind? Do I think that I'm trying to change God's will? Like what's actually going on in that first step? Because I think a lot of times we pray in that way. We, we pray like we're trying to change God, trying to change his purpose or his perspective in something. And that just brings up the next question logically in my head, which is whenever we do that, or if you do that, you have to ask the next question. Do I really think that God's heart needs to be changed? In the way that I'm approaching this prayer, do I think that God's will needs to be changed? It's a big question because if you feel that God's heart needs to be changed, it would also mean that you feel and you're thinking that he is not perfect and good and holy, perfect judge, like his decisions are and his plan is perfect. It's a simple question. Do you think that prayer changes God's heart? And all of a sudden it leads down this road of, you know what? I don't know. One thing that I've really been trying to, I guess, focus on or, or, or bring a lot of awareness to is the need for us to have a very, very, very high view of God's sovereignty. A very high view of God's sovereignty. 
because we have this terrible ability to try to pull God into our understanding, to try to, to, try to pull him into our way of doing things. And in that, we start acting, thinking, whatever, like we're God. And we humanize him. That's what humanism is. It's really bringing us up, making us the main thing and devaluing or subjecting God to our understanding, that we have the higher understanding. And whenever we think like this in our prayer, this is another form of humanism that is finding its way into the very prayers that we pray. And it's very dangerous. So the answer to the first question that I believe is biblically accurate, does prayer change God's heart, is I don't think that prayer changes God's heart. Now you say in the Bible you could see where there was moments and yeah, 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 yeah. But, but do you think that God was surprised by those moments? Do you think that he was really taken off guard? Like, well, thank you for bringing that up, Abraham. You know, if there is 50 people, I might not destroy the 40. I can sense in myself that I actually have enough compassion for those people too. All the way down to 10 people. Yes, Abraham, thank you for bringing this to my attention. That's how we read the Bible. It's like, wow, but God was... No. No, 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 no. Let's not read ourselves into the Bible that much, right? Prayer doesn't change the heart of God. So, so the, the next question would be, does, does prayer change your circumstances? Does it, does it change what you see, what you feel, what you're experiencing? Because at this point, this is where this word comes into play, this transactional view of God, this transactional view of prayer. If you have a transactional view of God, you will also have a transactional prayer life, which is this. Hey, God, I got a deal for you. Ready? I'll do this if you do this. Or if you do this, then I'll do that. Like, like this bartering thing with God Almighty, <laughs> right? And it's this, this tit for tat. It's like a payment system, man. It's like, okay, I'm going to put in 10 minutes of prayer and I'll get 10 minutes worth of miracles, okay? So like it's this thing, right? I've prayed like this before, so that's why I can speak about it. I, and come on, how many, how many of y'all, you can already tell, you've prayed like that from time, come on. We're going to be honest today, all right? It's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We need to be reminded of some, some basic things. But, that, but this transactional view of God, it also, um, it is contrary to a relational view of God, and it's also contrary to a relational prayer life. You know, it, it, for those of you that are married, it's sort of like the only time that you talk to your spouse was whenever you needed something from them, you know, like, all right, babe, we need to go over our calendar real quick, so I need to make sure that you get the kids because I'm going to be over here. We're good. Da, da, ba, got that. All right, and we're done. See you next week. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are you're like, that actually sounds sort of like our marriage. <laughs> Not many people laughed on that one. Go back and watch our series on the family from October. We kind of deal with some of that. But it's like this transactional versus this relational view. Like as we go, 
Like, and and this, this prayer that says, I, I wanna know you, right? This communication that says, I, I wanna know you. It's important to have this, this relational view of prayer. And this is where really it's a conversation when it comes to does God or does prayer change our circumstances? We're really getting into this conversation, going deeper into this conversation about God's providence, his providential will. And we, we see in the Bible, obviously we see where God intervenes. He intervenes in battles. He intervenes, he heals people. Demons are cast out, right? He intervenes in this battle. So we know that God has a sovereign will and he has, he has this providential will where he provides, but I don't think it's in a way that he is surprised, right? He's not a reactionary God. He's in control. And this is a very important posture to take as believers. That whenever we pray and we make these petitions to God, Humbly, with thanksgiving in our heart, notice whenever you read about prayer, you're always gonna see this element of thanksgiving. I think that speaks to, I am thankful to God no matter what happens with either of, you know, the yes or the no, right? Like, like either way, God is good. That speaks to being completely humbled and, and submitted to him and outside of that realm of transactional prayer. God, if you do this, I'll do this. If you don't do it, I'm gonna be very upset with you. I'm gonna say words that you guys would never say. Of course, you would never. But if I put it in these words, you're like, oh gosh, that's what I've been doing. You know, so I just go ahead and just go for it. Because <laughs> when you really put words around some of our feelings, that's how terrible they are. So prayer may or may not change your circumstances. Does God intervene? Absolutely but I believe everything's in, I believe that he has kind of the plan is set. The plan is set. He knows what's coming. We might not understand it, but he knows it's coming. So the last question I have about this is in regards to does prayer work? What's the purpose of prayer is if prayer doesn't change God's heart, if prayer may or may not specifically change our circumstance, does prayer actually change anything? Some of you are at the place right now. You're like, well, then why do we pray? See, we do this. We go from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other. Right? If, if, if I'm praying and things happen and, and, that's, and like I'm changing something, I'm, I'm doing something. It's always about us. If I'm doing something, then it's worth it. But if, it's, if it may or may not, if, if what you're saying, then I might as well not pray at all. The, throw the baby out with the bathwater, man. We are terrible at understanding and realizing the tension in things and realizing that there is a wonderful place of beauty in the in-between, in the in-between. But I think, this is, I think some of us are scared to go here because we don't like these questions. We don't like these thoughts. And in my opinion... I think all it's doing, I think questions like this actually reveal our lack of belief in God, our lack of trust in him, because we're fearful about asking the hard questions because what it might do to our faith. Let me tell you something, y'all. Learn to love the hard questions. Learn to dig in. Cause it to say, like, there's a, there's a place that I need to get to in my understanding of God and my knowledge of him. And that, that never stops, by the way. 
Like there isn't a point of arrival in this. You can go listen to men that have studied and studied and studied for ages, decades, and they still have these questions. And so in, in one sense, some of you, you might be the type of thinker that's like, ah, I just don't like to go that deep, you know? For others of you, what I'm, the questions I'm asking, you're like, finally, somebody, somebody's asking these questions because, you know, it gets taboo and it can't be taboo. And not if we believe in God, not if we trust in him, not if our faith is in him. So this next question, does prayer change anything? Well, the simple answer is this. Prayer definitely changes us. It changes us. What does it do? It aligns our will to God's will. It aligns our will to God's will. Not meet in the middle with God, right? God's over here, his will, and this is our will. And then we pray and God's like, okay, that sounds good. I think that I'll, yeah, let, this is a good meeting place in the middle. No, God's will, we're over here flipping and flopping. We have questions, we have experiences and things that, man, we, and, and we, we pray and we learn and we draw closer to him. We come in alignment with him, Amen. What else happens whenever we pray? I believe that it creates more trust in God. Because every time that I pray, let's say that this is a situation and I'm dealing with it. Whenever I pray, it's literally me bringing it before God and placing it in his hands. So that's when some of you say, God's got it, I'm giving it to God. that there's, there's reality to that. There's a biblical reality that we, we cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. In that, it doesn't say that that care will completely be done away with. Like he looks at it and he says, oh, thank you. I'll do one, two, and three. Yep, got it. All right, what's next? Sometimes I think he says, hey, look, got it. Yeah, but, but like, it's still, it's still here though. Like, uh, I made my petition known, ask anything in her name. I did the equation, right? And he's like, I got you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Prayer changes us. It creates trust in our life. It happens in our relationships with people. The more that we communicate, we understand each other, right? It's the same thing with God. So, We believe in prayer. It changes circumstances. We've seen God move in mighty ways. Come on. There's a plethora of stories about miracles that have taken place. Many of you in this room, you've experienced things in your life that there ain't nothing that explains it. There's no natural explanation. Why? Well, God is sort of supernatural, okay? (laughs) All right? So there's this supernatural, you know, these supernatural situations and these miracles that that we see. But one thing that we know, whether... It happens or it doesn't in what we see is that prayer always changes us. And so I think the purpose of prayer is not really to change God. The purpose of prayer is not necessarily to always see the results that we want, even though a lot of us do that. And obviously we should. The Bible does say to bring your request before God. So we're not negating that. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, prayer is to change me. I like the way that C.S. Lewis put it. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. 
I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. Yeah. He says this, it doesn't change God, it changes me. It's a completely different angle on prayer. It's a different, it's a different approach. It's a different motivation. And you know what the beautiful thing about it? The answer does not damage your faith in God. Because here's the deal. Every prayer that you pray ultimately has been and, and is already answered. Every prayer that, that you've ever prayed has been answered. The problem is, is sometimes we just don't like the answer. And it's really hard to accept. Other times, it's not in our timing. And it's very hard to accept. Very hard to accept. You know, the, the children of Israel, they were released out of bondage out of Egypt. They've been praying for 400 years. <laughs> okay. Some of us is 400 seconds. We're like, Lord, where are you? You know? 400 years, generations, they've been in bondage. And the Bible says that God heard their prayer. He heard them and he responds. He sends Moses. And they're like, this is it. We're, we're out, we're good. God has to do all these miracles and finally they get released. And they're in the, they're in the desert. They go, they get the 10 commandments. They turn from God. They repent and they turn from God, right? There's this ongoing thing but they were going for the promised land, right? They knew that there was a place, there was a promised place for them to go. And so they get to the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness. <laughs> Again, another delay. A whole generation had to die off because of their disobedience. And then they get there, they're like, here we are. And Moses can't go, right? Another bummer. And then he's like, here you go. Now go fight. <laughs> What? <laughs> I mean, God, what is the deal? God has been very clear with us today through his word that we are to pray and believe and have faith and never give up and never give up hope and believe in him in spite of everything that we see, everything that we feel, all of the confusion. He's like, I know. And one day you're going to understand. It's just not right now right? This is how we approach Jesus. This is how we approach Jesus. Now, there's a prayer that I think is so powerful. And it's one that I think about often, and it's called the serenity prayer. It says, God, grant me the serenity, the peace to accept the things I cannot change. Some of you, you're in a position right now, there's some things that you can't change. It happened, and you can't change it goes on, it says, give me the courage to change the things I can. Some of you, you're in a position and you can change some things. You have the wisdom, the wherewithal, the knowledge, the, the opportunity to make some changes. But then it says, pray for wisdom to know the difference. To know the difference. Some things you're walking through, it might, it might be this way until you take your last breath. This, this may be the lot in life that, that you've been given. For some of you, you've got to fight apathy and laziness and selfishness to be able to, to make changes in your life. God's given you great opportunity. He's given you people around you to support you. 
but there's some changes that need to be made. But either way, for all of us, we've got to have wisdom, godly wisdom in our lives to know which one's which, to know when to fight, to know when to put forth effort, and to know most of the time when to stop and rest and be still and know that God is God and we are not, but he is good. good. Amen. So Jesus, he gave us a great example of prayer, and this is what I want to end with today. It's the Lord's Prayer. And in Matthew 6, he says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Speaks of worshiping and acknowledging God and his holiness. I think it's such an important part where all of us should always approach Jesus. We should approach God with this humble, grateful attitude. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We come to him humbly, worshiping him, acknowledging him, but also desiring that his will be accomplished, whether it matches up with ours or not. That his will would be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Some of you need to realize today that God is your source. He provides for you. He has built the building blocks of everything that we see and know and we can touch and feel. And he is the giver of that. He is the provider of that for your daily bread, for your finances, for your your healing emotionally, to to fulfill every part of you. He is your daily bread, daily. For today, some of you need to know this too, that you need to stop reaching out and grabbing worry for tomorrow and pulling it into today, right? Right? We're going to be speaking about this in the beginning of uh, January, in the, uh, not the first week, but the last three weeks. So we're going to be speaking about don't miss it. Don't miss it. And it's, it's about worry. And, 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 you know, sometimes we just get so, so distracted with what we see and feel and know that we, we miss it. We miss today. We miss the goodness of God. And sometimes those things never even happen. Worst case scenario, it never even happens, but we've lived it a thousand times. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Come on, God is the source of our forgiveness and he's also the strength to forgive, okay? He's forgiven us greatly and then out of that revelation of that, how can we not forgive others in the same way? Come on, we forgive, he forgives our debts. We also forgive our debtors. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God is our strength. He is our source. He is our hope. And he has given us everything that we need through Christ to overcome darkness, to overcome evil, to overcome sin. Ultimately, we overcome death through Christ. And that is really the crux of the matter, that we are anchored to where our source of strength comes from and that we are anchored to the the, the future hope that we have in glory, in Christ Jesus. And this can't be messed with. It can't be touched, right? You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is this life, and not fear evil because he goes before you. He's with you. Amen? Come on, this is our hope, y'all. So here we are, the end of Ephesians. 
We've talked about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We've talked about how what he's done for us changes our worldview, changes every, the way that we live, changes our relationships. And we also have been commissioned or, or, or um, uh, encouraged by Paul to realize that we are in a fight, we're in a war, whether we're aware of it or not, but we have the tools and the armor that we need to overcome, all right? But at the end of the day, it's all again rooted in Jesus. And for some of you in this place, that's what you're missing. That's what you're missing. Without faith and belief and trust in Jesus, all you have is a good self-help book. That's all the Bible becomes. That's all this message becomes. It's just some other tools in your, your, your belt to be able to pull out whenever you encounter some really negative things or some tough situations. It's like, well, let me repeat this, but it's not connected to the source. So how do I get connected to the source? It's actually very, very, very simple. The Bible says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is who he said he was and is, and if he was raised from the dead, if we believe in that, come on, that we are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into light, it's faith. It's faith. It's not just some high, lofty speech. This is real. And there's people sitting all around you who have had this experience. I think for some of you today is the day for you to say yes to following Jesus. He loves you. His grace is sufficient for you. I know this is a part of the service for a lot of people that you begin to recall all the things that you've done or said, and you begin to discount God's love for you. You begin to devalue yourself to such a place that you're like, I don't think that, that he would ever, I don't think that he would actually hear my prayer. He doesn't just hear your prayer. You're in Christ. That's the beauty. You're clothed in his righteousness. It's not your own. You can't even pray without Jesus, right? But I wanna pray with you now to receive Jesus into your life. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? If you're in this place and you know that that's you, you're far from God, this is your opportunity. This is, this is your moment to say yes to Jesus. Say, God, I, I come before you right now. I'm humble, I'm broken, I'm at the end of myself. But Father, I thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your forgiveness for me. And right now, I receive Jesus into my life. I say yes. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for salvation, for the forgiveness of my sin, that you cover my unrighteousness with your righteousness. And today, God, I repent of my sin. I turn from that way of thinking and I turn to you. God, I ask you to use my life for your glory, for your kingdom, that at the end of my life, I would look back and I would say, I live my life for God. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Come on, let's all pray together So we wrap up this series in this moment. God, I thank you for the people in this room, for those watching online. God, I thank you for the plan that you have for our life. God, the purpose that you have for our life. And Lord, at times we, we can lose sight of that or we can feel like we're in a fog. But God, we lean into your word that says that you are with us, that you guide us in truth, that your spirit empowers us to overcome anything that is placed before us. And so God, we lean into that right now. God, I pray for every person in this room that is up against a wall. They're up against that situation. And, and maybe the whole time that we've been talking, they're like, yeah, but, but this, but this. God, I'm praying that you would minister to them right now by your spirit, that you would give them life and hope and rest and peace in, in, in the core of who they are. 
God, it's something that only you can do because you are our hope. You are our peace. So God, today, I pray that you would encourage each person, that you would be the lifter of their head, that you would lift them up out of the mire, out of the muck. And God, that they would realize that you're with them. God, that your presence would be made manifest to them, be made real in their life, even today in this moment. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for who you are. God, we are dependent upon you in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Say amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. Come on now. Thank you, Pastor Jordan. The book of Ephesians in 16 quick weeks. I just think it's been tremendous. I love going through books of the Bible because I believe it's just a real way to know your God more and to see his word operating in your life on a daily basis. And so we're excited about you being here. We're excited about you who prayed that prayer or opened your heart up to God or said, you know what, I need you, Jesus, would you help me? And so with that, we want to help you. And the way we want to do that is we're just going to ask you to reach in that seat pocket right in front of you. Pastor Jordan talked about it at the beginning of the service. And if you'll just take this little card, this what's next card, fill it out. We want to contact you this week, kind of give you your next steps, answer any questions you might have, just really help you out. We just want to come alongside of you. So you can give us this card in two ways. One, you can go straight back to the next text table back there. There's a, a couple uh, ready to talk to you, answer your questions right there. Or if you want to, at every exit, there's someone standing there with a white bucket. You can just put it in the bucket, and we're going to get the information and contact you how you want us to contact you and what you want us to contact you on about. So would you do that? We appreciate it. Even if you're just visiting or you say, I want to know more about this church. It seems okay. I think it's okay. And maybe it's safe. Just give us a a chance and we'll explain that to you. And then I want to talk to you, uh, and Pastor Jordan talked about this also. Would you grab these on the way out? Uh, This is the little card that you're going to use to pass on an act of kindness. Look, very powerful. You'll never know what happens when you give people a little piece of paper. I'm here today and pastored this church for 28 years because a man had enough guts to give me a little piece of paper one day, 40 years ago. And so it's well worth it. Would you do that? And then one more little shout out about the toys for, for, for children. Uh, you're going to have a chance. Get this red flyer and let's do this thing, folks. I mean, let's really do it. Let's do it Northwood style. What do you say? I mean, just let it rip and have a good time. Bless somebody. Hey, take a gift from your kid and give it to another kid. They're getting so much, they'll never, they'll never miss it anyhow, right? Okay? All right, come on. Let's stand to our feet right now as we finish up. It's just been a great time with you today and just love meeting with God's people. It's a beautiful day outside, but I, I want to pray with you right now before we leave and just ask God to bless you. Father, we thank you that you love us, that you care about our lives, that you've given us your word. God, that guides our path, that you've given us Jesus, that changes our heart, and you've given us your Holy Spirit that empowers us, Lord. I'm asking you to bless your people. Bless your family, Lord God. Give them strength, give them wisdom and guidance this week. We thank you for the day of thanksgiving, Lord. We'll not be shy in giving you all the praise and all the glory for everything you've done, but more than that, Father, for who you are. We thank you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody that believed that said amen and amen. Come on, thank you for coming. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.